Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench. Today, I'm going to take a little bit of time and talk about why the Bible says wisdom is what we should be seeking as men and women of faith in this country. We're going to touch on the headlines, and I'm going to answer a few questions from listeners. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I'm glad you guys are here today. Lots of stuff going on in the news, and I'm going to touch on some of those headlines in just a moment. But I wanted to talk before we get into any of that stuff today about wisdom. Uh, the Bible teaches us that the person who seeks wisdom is a blessed person. And and uh, many, many Bible verses about wisdom teach us that it comes uh, from God. That's where it's found, that we should seek it. It's more valuable than gold. Wisdom is the key to unlocking, and according to God's word, everlasting and eternal and abundant life. Wisdom is the most valuable gift that we can ever receive, and it teaches us how to live a fruitful, honorable life, just like Jesus did. And we want to teach our children this, right? This has been the theme of the podcast for many, many years, teaching our children why it is so important to walk in wisdom and how to know God's word. Uh, One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is found in the book of James. James chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. In Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, the Bible teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And finally in Job chapter 12, verse 13, again, to God belong wisdom, power, and counsel. These are his. A long time ago, we were talking a little bit. I mean, right now at Momstrong International, obviously, you know, we're going through uh, the book of Peter. We're talking about what it means to have discernment, why discernment is so important. A lot of things going on in the culture right now that require uh, us to have a heart of discernment, meaning we want to get beyond just what we hear in the news, you know, the headlines. I talked to a woman the other day who came up to me and said, man, I'm listening to the January 6th uh, trial. And she said, I just can't believe that that President Trump, what a bad guy he is. Well, listen, you know, I have, I'm no fan of President Trump's endorsements, but I will tell you that as a president, I honor and respect the decisions that he made. He was a wise leader from the standpoint of policy. And so I encouraged this lady who was really upset. I said, listen, go back and just make sure, give it a day or two, because you're going to find out that what you're hearing may not actually be what happened. And that's the problem with the mainstream media. That's the problem with all this early access to, that we have. Uh, because of the internet and because of uh, obviously, you know, modern communication, we can easily be misled. And so it's a really good practice for us to always be thinking, all right, before I react, let me, let me ask the Lord for wisdom and let me pray that God gives me discernment, that he gives me understanding. You see, the goal of learning things should never just be knowledge. The Bible teaches us that knowledge just puffs up. And if you want to find out what that looks like, just walk to any a uh, uh, college university campus right now that is uh, a liberal university. And you'll see exactly what I mean. Actually, what am I saying? You can see this on Christian campuses as well. We need wisdom. And when we don't have wisdom, we become prideful. And pride, the Bible says, which is why, you know, you've heard me talk about, you know, Pride Month. I think it's amazing that in this country, we value uh, pride and being proud when God says, this is one of the deadly sins. Stay away from it. You know, don't think of yourself as better than others and uh, and certainly don't have pride be something that you are proud of. And there is going to be a price to pay for that as we as we move farther and farther away from what God says is good 
and what God says we should be uh, we should be valuing as men and women who follow Him. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, "Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, or she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you." The beginning of wisdom is this: get wisdom, though it cost you all. Get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. There's a lot going on uh, right now with regard to Roe v. Wade. I just spent yesterday's podcast talking about it. And we're going to continue to have the conversation here at the show because I think it's so important that we understand the difference between uh, this conversation as it relates to the Constitution, the conversation as it relates to the government, the conversation as it relates to the culture. And what is it that we are supposed to be uh, speaking on and understanding as men and women of faith? Uh, a guy reached out to me on my Facebook page the other day, and I very rarely just, you guys don't take this as an uh, invitation to start messaging me on Facebook because I very rarely ever check those messages. But I happened to look at this one particular message, and this guy was saying that um, ectopic pregnancies are abortion, that uh, miscarriage is also abortion, that now a woman who miscarries is suddenly going to be uh, in danger of breaking a law. No, a miscarriage, and this is why this is why we need to see beyond the talking points, right, of the radical uh, left in this country that are pushing this narrative. A miscarriage happens naturally, right? Miscarriage happens when a baby, for whatever reason, uh, dies in utero. I have had this happen to me. It's not the same thing as abortion. Abortion literally stops a human heart purposely. So abortion is just the taking of an innocent human life for whatever reason. Maybe we take that human life because uh, we don't think we have the money. Maybe we take the human life because our family said that that uh, that baby won't be welcomed into the family and that you might be shunned as a result. I hear this less and less, right? The culture is different now than it was in the 1950s when this was really was the case. If a young girl found out she was pregnant, oftentimes her parents sent her away to a home until she had the baby. And then I've talked to women who said that their their families ignored them and pretended like she was never pregnant. It never happened. There was a terrible stigma. That stigma for most families and in most areas of the United States certainly does not exist anymore. And the vast majority of abortions are committed for convenience. They're not committed for rape. They're not committed for incest or the life of the mother. And uh, while we're talking about that, let's be clear, because I think it's important. We either believe that it's wrong to take an innocent human life or we don't. And so someone said to me, well, what do you think about uh, the, the condition of rape or the life of a mother? It's very important also to know, know the, the statistics on this. Very, very few abortions are uh, carried out in this country because of rape or incest or the life of the mother. My philosophy has always been that we love both a mother and her unborn baby. So if a baby is conceived through rape or God forbid through incest, uh, these babies, their lives are no less valuable because of the sins of their father. And we would never murder a two-year-old because of the sins of his father. And we shouldn't murder an unborn either. And so uh, it's important that we engage in these conversations. The church has a role to play right now. We should be at the front of this thing and not at the back of it. And uh, it's a lie that the church only cares about babies before they're born. Almost all of the nonprofit organizations the NGOs, the non-government organizations in this country that care for women and that provide for women during pregnancy and after pregnancy are church-related organizations. They're either the Catholic churches or they're Protestant churches, uh, but this almost always the help is coming from inside the church. So to say that the church is absent 
before uh, or only present before a baby is born and absent after is complete fallacy. Again, it goes back to doing your homework, asking the Lord for wisdom, and to give you the opportunity to engage in these conversations from a position of strength. I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to jump right into your questions. We'll be right back. All right, you guys, welcome back. I want to thank you for sending questions into me. I love listening to your questions and hearing your heart. Also, I wanted to give a couple of shout outs to new donors that are helping me keep this show on the air. Brandy in Washington, McKinsey in Texas, Leah here in Washington State, Ron in Texas, and Julie in Washington. You said, Heidi, thank you for speaking truth. It was good to meet you at an event at the Promise Church last Saturday. By the way, I loved that event. It was an amazing opportunity just to be with a bunch of uh, women who really want to serve the Lord and hear his voice. We need these events more now than we've ever needed them. Uh, Christy in Indiana wrote to me and she said, Heidi, I am wanting to start a blog and I would like to know what site you might recommend to begin this journey. All right, so Christy, this is a great question. Uh, and there's a couple of things that I want to say about it in particular. First of all, I haven't been, I have my own website now. So I haven't been using a blogging site for a very long time. Like a lot of you, I started on WordPress. But here's the thing that I want to just encourage you uh, when it comes to platform, whether it's blogging or podcasting, you guys know I love um, anchor.fm and I've been telling you that I think that is a fantastic, it's a phenomenal, actually phenomenal resource. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to get your voice out because platform is you basically stewarding a message of truth, hopefully, and wisdom and discernment, and then uh, turning that into a platform. So you have a bit of a megaphone in the culture. That's what blogging does. That's what podcasting does. But I want to just warn you about something, Christy, and I, this is not a shot at you at all. I don't know anything about your family or where you are in your mothering journey or any of that. But a lot of times people will ask me how I started blogging and how I became interested in podcasting and when did I start writing books. And uh, I did it because I just genuinely like writing. I love the written word. There's something about putting words on paper and then reading it back out loud and then uh, massaging it a little bit, changing the words, maybe changing the adjectives, changing the sentence. It's just fascinating to me. I've always enjoyed writing. And when my kids were little, it was just a way for me to uh, express myself. It was just um, you know, I'm, I, I took to blogging like some people might take to knitting or maybe some people like baking or they have a hobby. Writing was really a hobby for me. And as I started a long, long time ago on a site called Zanga, which I'm sure isn't even around anymore. And I just started talking about our experiences as a family and what my life was like as a mother first of three and then five and then pretty soon it was seven. And I just enjoyed the outlet. It was an outlet for me. I never planned on writing books. I never planned on having a podcast, uh, any of those things. It was the Lord that opened those doors and it really was the encouragement of my husband who saw, and I think I've shared this before, and I know Jay has too, who saw a gift in me. And so that was really how I got started. So I'm not familiar, Christy, enough with the blogging world anymore because my blog is at my my website but I would encourage you in this direction. If it's something that you love doing, then pursue it for the love of what it is that you're doing. I know so many women, and a lot of them are Christian women, and some of them are well-known authors and well-known speakers who have sacrificed everything on the altar of platform. And platform is what's coveted in the, in the culture in many regards right now. And this is absolutely true among, among uh, authors and speakers and bloggers. 
And I believe that if we're going to get into these spheres of influence, and we absolutely belong there, we belong in education, we belong in entertainment, we belong in politics, we belong in all these places, we must keep God's priorities ahead of us, always ahead of us. And so, as I've said before, I'm just going to say it again, because I know there are a lot of you who are interested in in publishing a book, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second too. But uh, I think it's really important that we recognize that God said the most important thing you're going to do every single day is spend time in his word. This is why I started Mom Strong International. It's why I encourage women every day, be in the word. Men, be in the word. Uh, open up your Bible every day. You know, download. Uh, I love uh, the Bible app on my phone. I've actually been reading Tozier lately, which is very, um, I mean, that guy is deep. It's like listening to or reading C.S. Lewis every, every day. Sometimes I have to read it two or three times to really understand uh, what he's saying. But it's challenging me and it's growing me. And I think that's what we want to be doing. We want to be growing. So those are God's priorities, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we're in God's word and out of an overflow of what God does in our lives. Personally, we pour into our marriages. Out of an overflow of what happens in the marriage, we pour into our families. And out of an overflow of a healthy family, we pour into other things, whether that's running for office or whether it's starting a blog or building a platform. Nothing wrong with building a platform. Uh, you know, I've been a working mom for a very long time, but there were seasons of my life when it took very much a backseat to everything that was happening because I had, you know, little, little kids at home, I was having babies, whatever. And so uh, while you pursue that, you know, look for men and women who are continuing to walk with the Lord and haven't sacrificed their families or their marriages on the altar of platform. So that's my encouragement to you. I don't actually know what's going on with WordPress anymore, but that is where um, we, that was the easiest avenue for me to use at the time. Again, I told you guys, I really love Anchor and I'm currently using Anchor, obviously. And then also when it comes to publishing a book, um, again, there's a lot of avenues out there that you can use to help you self-publish. You don't, it's not, publishing is not like what it was, you know, 15 years ago, even the publishing world now is opened up because of the internet to individuals who have a message. You guys heard me uh, have my, my little sister Hillary on the show who wrote memoirs of the Bible. And I had her come on and talk about that. So proud of her. It takes a lot of effort and time and um, passion to author a book or to write a blog or to spend any amount of time on it at all. And so uh, I love to highlight those those individuals, but I'm a huge fan of self-publishing. I've written for Tyndale for many years. I love that publishing house, probably more than any other of the publishing houses that uh, I'm aware of and have worked with. But there's some wonderful opportunities out there. And just make sure that when you uh, enter into that sphere that you ask the Lord to help you keep his priorities, you know, always at the front of your heart. It's so important that, uh, that you do that. So Christy, that was a great question. People ask me all the time how I got into writing and that's just uh, a, a little bit of it. So thank you, Christy, for that question. Ginger in Pennsylvania wants to clarify that Leah Thomas goes to University of Pennsylvania, not Penn State. I apologize. Uh, I got that wrong. She said, Heidi, your podcast is wonderful. I recently listened to the June Warning podcast in which you included Leah Thomas's comments. And I agree with you, but I noticed that he goes to uh, Penn State University. When I said that he goes to Penn State University, he actually doesn't. So she said, I'm sure that Penn State is woke also, but it's not actually the school that put the first trans women uh, on their swimming swimming team. So UPenn needs to get the, the press for that, not Penn State. So there you go. That's my correction on that. Thank you, guys. I'm open to your corrections, by the way. I often make mistakes and I like it when I can be uh, when I can be corrected. Holly in Michigan, should baptism be a requirement for serving in a church? Hi, Heidi. My 15-year-old daughter walked through some trials earlier this year that caused her to question her faith. 
the last few months, we've seen such growth and maturity in her, especially in her walk with the Lord. As an extension of that, she decided she wanted to serve at our church's flip camp. It's like BBS, but was disheartened to learn they won't allow her because she doesn't meet the requirement of baptism. She's especially bothered because she serves on a local mission trips with our church every summer and baptism isn't a requirement. So this is what I think. It sounds to me like you guys might be members of the Church of Christ. And so the Church of Christ equates baptism with uh, salvation. And if that's the case, then they're going to hold to their doctrinal belief. I personally disagree with this. I think um, baptism is not a requirement for salvation, but my hunch is that you go to a Church of Christ. And so uh, that's how I would look at it. If that's the case, I would look at that uh, with your daughter. Also, I think it's important. Talk to the leaders of your church. Find out why is this a requirement, especially if you don't go to a Church of Christ. If you go to a Church of Christ, I would just tell you that's part of their doctrine. And so just like I would expect anyone who works here at the Homeschool Resource Center or anyone who works for MomStrong International, we want them to have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So we look for that profession of faith and we ask them to talk to us about it. When did you come to know the Lord? We want to know about their walk with the Lord. Uh, inside of certain denominations, they equate baptism with salvation. And so I would just ask them about that and, uh, and and have them give you an answer. But I wouldn't let her be too discouraged. There are lots of churches that would not require uh, that she be baptized. Another way to look at this is, why doesn't she want to be baptized, right? Uh, baptism is an outward uh, response an outward mechanism of an inward decision that we have made to follow Jesus. And I, I love when my kids got baptized. You know, baptism says, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's a public profession of an inward decision that we make to say, we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ and we're going to walk with him our whole life. And so I, I, I would also ask your daughter, um, why don't you want to get baptized? And maybe this can open up a question for you, but that's kind of not understanding the church that you guys are are, are a part of. My hunch is that, again, it's a denomination that requires baptism. Uh, they see it uh, online with, on par with salvation. It's a requirement for salvation. Again, I disagree with that personally, but I would, ta- I would contact your church and just ask them what their, uh, what their statement on that is and see if you can help your daughter. Uh, come to a better understanding. One more thing before I go, the Supreme Court and lots of stuff happening in the Supreme Court, uh, but there was a decision that came out of the court uh, last week that said that Maine could not deny tuition aid to religious schools. And I mentioned it here on the show and I talked about it on my on uh, on my Facebook page and a bunch of you got were upset with me because you believe that this is commingling state money with homeschooling and that this was going to implicate uh, the homeschool community. I don't think that that's true. I, I looked at the ruling, but I asked my friend Mike Ferris if he would comment on it. Um, and he's smart. He's a smart guy. And he got back to me and he said, Heidi, the impact of today's decision does not implicate homeschool freedom in any way. It does not require states to create school choice programs. It only prevents states or prohibits them from operating programs for private schools, but then singularly excluding religious schools. It's discrimination. It should be generally understood to prohibit treating Christians as second-class citizens. In other words, what he's saying is, I think most of us can agree that it's wrong for the government to treat citizens as uh, Christians, rather, as second-class citizens. And that's what the Supreme Court was saying. The practical effect on school choice may well lead to fewer programs because many states will not want to include religious schools, and so they will have to stop school choice entirely to achieve that goal. 
People shouldn't confuse Supreme Court decisions with legislative enactments. The argument that this decision will hurt homeschool freedom is an example of that error. So I want to say thanks to Mike Ferris for uh, giving us a little bit of information on that and hopefully putting some of your minds at ease about that decision. Again, I think it was a good decision. I'll link back to it uh, in the show notes today. That decision came down on June 21st. So last week when the Supreme Court uh, in the state of Maine said that Maine can no longer deny tuition aid to religious schools. That was a win for liberty. Also, if you guys are following, then you know that uh, Supreme Court Justice Breyer is stepping down. And in fact, I believe he will be stepping down effective on Thursday at noon. Uh, this is important, but it's not a, a devastating move as far, as far as the conservative majority on the court goes. We will continue to maintain our conservative majority. We saw several months ago that uh, Joe Biden and the Senate confirmed Katanji Brown-Jackson as the justice to replace Justice Breyer. Remember, this is a woman who doesn't know what a woman is. So this is going to be an amazing time. Uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson basically confirmed to the court on the basis of her gender and her race, which is a shameful thing, but this is what we've got going on. But for those of you who are freaking out because uh, Justice Breyer is stepping down, we're not going to lose the conservative majority on the court right now. Uh, Justice Breyer is being, and who was a, a, a hard and fast liberal justice, is going to be replaced by another I think equally hard and fast, maybe even more liberal justice, which is Katanji Brown-Jackson. It's a reason for us to continue to pray for the courts and to pray for good decisions. I believe that before uh, he steps down, we may see a couple other decisions uh, come down from the court. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love to hear from you. If you want your question addressed here at the show, just shoot it to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.